Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Father Joe Carroll, the legendary priest behind Father Joe's villages, died Saturday at the age of 80. Deacon Jim Vargas reflects on his legacy after the news. State officials issued a rule barring students without masks from campuses on Monday, and then hours later rescinded that rule. K-12 students will still need to wear masks at school, but now school officials can decide how to deal with students who refuse, according to a spokesman for Governor Gavin Newsom. Even with mask enforcement left to schools, the state's COVID-19 safeguards are among the most stringent in the nation. A new audit criticizes the city of San Diego's climate action plan as being vague. In response, the city will change the plan from a set of goals to a more detailed blueprint. The revised plan is expected to be ready in the coming months. It will require city officials to prioritize projects, estimate their costs, identify funding sources, and explain funding gaps. One of at least three key investigations into the fire on the Bonham Richard assault ship is complete and under review by Navy leaders, according to the Navy on Monday. A Navy criminal investigation into the cause of the blaze is still ongoing. The Union Tribune has learned that a junior sailor was placed in pretrial confinement late last year in connection with the blaze, but has not been charged with a crime. Father Joe Carroll made San Diego a better place. Through his years of advocacy and fundraising, the priest turned a humble downtown charity into a major network that drew national attention. Father Joe died Saturday at the age of 80 after a long illness with diabetes. Here to share his legacy is Deacon Jim Vargas, the CEO of Father Joe's Villages. Deacon Jim, thank you so much for joining me this morning. How are you and the Father Joe's family holding up? Well, I, I thank you for ask, asking, Christy. It's been it's been a di difficult few days, as you can imagine. Um, and Father Joe had been ill pr prior to that um, because of the complications due to the diabetes. Um, and I appreciate all the uh, the condolences and the and the prayers coming our way um, and coming uh, the way of Father Father Joe himself and 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 for the family, for the Carroll family. So I very much appreciate that. They've meant it's meant a lot to us. I imagine you spent a lot of time with Father Joe over the years. I mean, can you share a, a personal favorite story or just something that sticks out in your mind about him? Sure. Um, well, just the fact that he, there's so many stories, but I mean, just the fact that he, he constantly, constantly called us to look at the humanity of those individuals who are on the streets, right? He, and, 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 he, I marveled at the way he was able to do that, right? And, and it was not only for his own purposes and, and his work with them directly, but he was giving an example to everyone. He was giving an example to those in the community. That they, we should view those who are on the streets. Yes, they fall into difficult circumstances, but no different than ourselves, right? We're all made in the image of God and we're, we're neighbors um, and we should be helping the neighbors who are who have fallen onto bad times, and so that's something that I that I I always marvel at how he was able to do that. Why was uh, homelessness this issue so important to him? Oh, I think it came early on. My my from my conversations with him um, in his upbringing back in New York and in the Bronx, and and he and I uh, were from New York, both from New York, and we're both not only from the South Bronx. We both grew up um, in the same couple of blocks believe it or not. Wow. Um, and we only came to know that in, in, the, in the recent years when we got to really know one another, he and I, um, he was 15 years my senior. So back in, in, in New York, we didn't know one another. 
uh, but it was an Irish neighborhood initially. And then when they started moving up, and then the Puerto Ricans started moving in, and I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. And so, um, um, but then, but, you, but the, the churches where he worshiped and where he had been baptized and received communions and the sacraments were the churches where I was baptized and received communions. And so it was, I mean, we had a, that that commonality in a sense, right, um, from our roots. And, and he was one that from the very beginning there, um, he had a sense that people should be helping one another. Um, and, and that stayed with him throughout his life. I think it's what, it's what brought him to priesthood in general, right? Because initially before he started his work and his ministry with the homeless, um, he was doing parish work and then he loved his parish work. And I think that what that was, that, that was as a result of the upbringing and how we should be there for one another. When you look at San Diego, how did Father Joe shape it? You know, how did he, he change the city in his time here? Oh, I think tremendously. I think just the way of addressing homelessness. Um, it was it was very novel at the time what he would what he set out to do, and not only in San Diego but across the U.S. Um, and that's why so many so many cities would come and flock to San Diego and to specifically to his work to see how he was getting it done. Yeah, he he realized that to be most effective with those who are on the streets, you had to really comprehensively address their issue. It couldn't be just a one-off. And you also couldn't take a cookie cutter approach because everyone's individual is different. And its circumstances are different. And so he, he, while, he while he assumed um, the, the ministry of caring for the poor on the street in 1982, in a relatively short period of time, within five years, he had encircled himself with people, like-minded people who believed in his vision of helping people off the streets permanently and were willing to financially support that. So. With $12 million, he started what, what we, we call the Joan Croc Center, and it was the first of its kind. Uh, it was a very comprehensive approach to addressing the issues from health issues, right? Those who had health issues, well, he, he established a medical clinic. And for those who had children, well, the children, we needed to care for those children. So then there was the therapeutic child care center he established. And of course, he, he knew that people needed income in order to be self-sufficient. And how do you get, get, get income? Well, you get income through employment. How are you going to get employment? Well, you need marketable skills. So he started an employment center, right? So that so that he can impart those skills and people could get could get jobs. And and, and his whole approach was applying the resources that an individual needs in order to lift themselves up out of their state of homelessness. He saw the potential in each individual, and he tapped into that potential and restored their hope in themselves so that they could they could do better. He had the nickname, the hustler priest. Did he embrace that? Oh, he did embrace that. I, in fact, I think, I think um, he perpetuated that. I mean, he, he liked that term and it was a fancy, it was a fancy term in a sense, right? But at the heart of it all was that he was a beggar and that is how he viewed himself. He viewed himself as a beggar, right? And, and, but in a good way, in a good way, because it was, he wasn't begging for himself, right? He was, he was out there, um, begging for the resources that he needed in order to get done the work that had been entrusted to him. That was not, he saw that work as an obligation. He took souls that were under his care and, and he needed to, to provide for them. And he knew he couldn't do it himself. I mean, he, had, he needed help in that regard. And so that's why he was out there. That's why he was there hustling. Okay, that's why he was there begging, right? Um, because it was for, for the greater good. I know that he had been retired for some time, but I mean, how will the work continue and, and what do you think his legacy will be? 
well, the work actually, the work absolutely does continue, and more now than ever, as you can imagine. That I mean, you, you see how homelessness is it's, it's still very, a very grave issue here in in San Diego and, and across California and across the U.S. And so the the work does most definitely continue. His legacy continues. I'm I'm blessed in my role and those who who work at Father Joe's Villages to passionately continue continue that work. Um, you know, taking people off the streets in the immediacy getting them the, 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 the resources that they need to start working with them so that they can, they can have the help that they need to, to become self-sufficient. And at the end of the day, provide the housing, get to help them to get the housing that they need because a shelter, Christy, is not a home, all right? Yes, it's, it's better than the streets, but it's not a home. And so the ultimate goal is a, um, is a, is a, is a place of their own, basically, that they can call their home. Just, intimate, just recently, I had an intimate moment with him in the last couple of weeks. Um, we were talking about a building that he knows. We, we, um, we started construction on that building. It's new construction a year ago this past January. It's a 14-story, 407 units. It's the biggest of its kind. And with the reason I was, I was focusing on that building is that I have been keeping something from him for the last three years actually, because this has been in the planning stages for quite a while. And that's that the promenade is going to be dedicated to him, uh, to Father Joe. But I wanted it to be a surprise. I wanted him at the at the ribbon cutting to have the unveiling and, and see that. And but, I, but it became apparent that that was not going to happen, right? So, so I shared with him the fact that the promenade was going to be to, to be dedicated to him. So it was um, it was an intimate moment. It was an emotional moment. Um, and Christy, while he won't be there physically with us, no doubt he'll be there spiritually. We will feel him for sure uh, there with us. I mean, this building um, is something he, he believed in. He believed in, in the concept of affordable housing and not only the concept, but he was the first one out there building affordable housing for those in his care. Right. So this is just an, an extension of that and a continuation of his work and, and, and the legacy. And, and if I may share, by the way, there, there are people have been asking me ways in which they can, they can show their love for him. And, and so there are many ways we can do that. There's a celebration of life that we will, we will be announcing soon, and it's going to be a public event. Uh, we'll have a date and a, and a venue soon. Um, it will be probably within the next couple of weeks or so. And we look forward to people gathering and sharing their stories. And of course, some grieving as well. But um, as a community coming together, people have been leaving flowers on 15th Street and cards. And, and we would encourage that. I think that's another way of showing, showing love for Father Joe. You can go onto our website and, and also leave stories. And people have been saying, but you know, the work has to continue. And absolutely the work has to continue. And so people have asked how they can continue his work. And there's a legacy fund that we've also established um, in his memory. And so there are many ways in which they can show um, love for Father Joe and also the, the work that he, that he established, right? The work that, that continues in, in his name. And so neighbor.org is our website, neighbor.org. And I would encourage people um, to go to visit the website. Find more news online at sandiegouniontribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.